welcome. Welcome back. I can't believe it's Monday already. I feel like this weekend just vanished. It's like it was there. It was juicy. It was like a steak, right? You saw it. You wanted some. You were ready. And then it was gone. What can you do? All right. Well, welcome, everyone. Thanks for being here. Uh, You will notice that my computer is closed. Maybe you can't see that. Here it is. Oh, Oh, look, here it is. Closed. And the reason is I was all set to be involved in the chat yet again today. And when I came in, it looked like something had exploded on my screen. Can't wait to get home and show my husband this. He's going to be like, what did you do in the brief amount of time that you and that computer were alone? I don't know. I don't have an answer. Technology does not like me. We've discussed this. This is one example. So Tyler will be managing the chat yet again. Or maybe it was just a message from the chat. Did you guys not want me in the chat? Is that what this was? This was an effort to get me out of the chat. I know. I know. I can be a little feisty in the chat. Tyler's a little more, how shall we say, reserved. Well, welcome again. Tyler's like, no, don't put the camera on me. I wasn't ready. (laughs) I love that. You know what I love about this? The camera just goes to Tyler and he doesn't know it. Oh, never know what he's doing over there in the corner. Be careful, Tyler. We can see you. You never know what he's doing. So this morning I had a parenting moment and we're going to get into some really juicy topics in a second. I had a parenting moment. Parents out there, have you ever felt the struggle of trying to balance This morning, my husband took Hartley to the playground, and I was leaving to go to work just as they were coming back, right? So he sees me, and he's excited, but I was just out the door. So I'm like, oh, this is not going to go well. Give him a big hug and kiss. And he's like, I want mama to go in that elevator. So I'm like, oh, great. He thinks it's a game. I get in the elevator. The doors start to close, and the panic ensues on the other side. I heard my little man screaming, all the way. I was down on the first floor and I could still hear those lungs. So one, proud, that's a good pair of lungs on him, kind of reminds me of, I don't know, me. Secondly, I felt that heartbreak, the tug of war, the what do I do? Do I run back upstairs? But I knew if I ran back upstairs, I was never going to get to work. We were never going to have a show. So this is a parenting moment. I know you can all identify with these people who say, you can have it all. You can do everything at once. Honey, I'm not Wonder Woman. I'm either here or I'm there. So it's a struggle. Parents at home, you feel my pain. Do you not? You do. I know you do. All right. We have a packed show today. Really exciting stuff. I want to make one announcement. First of all, if you're here, remember, you got to subscribe to the channel. We need you to subscribe. We also need you to like stuff if you like it. So I don't know. They keep showing that chair there. It's kind of maybe they want to see an empty chair. But who did that that spiel about the empty chair that time? Was it a... Was it Clint Eastwood? Clint Eastwood. He did the, we could do the empty chair. They want me to talk to the empty chair. I know how it is. I know how it is, Jorge. You want me to have a guest. You're trying to give some subtle hints. And I, perfect timing, by the way, because I'm about to announce that tomorrow's going to be a special episode. We are bringing in, you guys know Adam from SauceCast? Adam. (laughs) You guys know Adam? Okay, so he's going to be coming in and we are going to do a segment called Shoot the Shit. It's going to be a full hour. Adam and I are going to be sitting here together and we are going to be, you guessed it, shooting the shit about a bunch of topics. This is a a segment that we're going to be bringing in. Whenever I say segment, I mean full hour because that's all we do here. This is a a, a show style format that we're going to be bringing in every now and then. And I'm going to have all different kinds of guests. Some you know, some you don't know. But Adam's going to be our first because we disagree on a lot, especially when it comes to dating and relationships. And we need to hash it out. We need to have that little, you know, figuratively, of course. No one's going to get hurt. Don't worry. At least I don't think so. All right. So that will be happening tomorrow. You definitely will not want to miss it. It's going to be really feisty. It's going to be really good. And also remember, if you like the video, you always got to hit like. 
I need you to hit like on the videos. Just a reminder. All right, let's get to these topics. They're fire today. <sighs> I'm going to start with one that we sort of introed last week. Remember last week when I was talking to you guys about Friends and how much I loved that show back in the day and how the co-creator Friends, Marta Kaufman, had given an interview to the L.A. Times. If you missed that show, I'll just recap it for you. Basically, she talked to the L.A. Times and she was apologetic, very apologetic. And she was like talking about how she regrets the lack of diversity at the time. And she even went so far as to say that she was donating $4 million to Brandeis University uh, for the African and African American Studies Department to make up for what she was basically defining as a sin of not having enough diversity on Friends. We broke that down. Well, she sweetened the pot. Let's just say that. So I'm looking around and I, I see BuzzFeed has an article up. Friends co-creator Marta Kaufman says she regrets misgendering Chandler's transparent. And I'm like, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So let's take a look at the article. First line is the best. Pronouns were not yet something I understood. Oh, wow. Friends was obviously one of the biggest TV shows of the 90s, and it's still plenty beloved today. Hardcore fans might recall that Chandler Bing had a transparent who went by the stage name Helena Handbasket. Remember that? The character was eventually played by Kathleen Turner, who did an amazing job, actually. Amazing job. When Helena was brought up on the show, characters would frequently refer to her as Chandler's father. Huh. Misgendering the character as a result. There was even a season seven episode titled The One with Chandler's Dad. Heaven forbid. Can you imagine the audacity? While talking to BBC News via E! News, Marta Kaufman, the co-creator, addressed the fact that the show kept referring to Helena as Chandler's father, even though Chandler's father was trans. Pronouns were not yet something I understood, so we didn't refer to that character as she. That was a mistake. So what's going on here, Marta? I gotta ask. What's going on? So my guess is, this would be my best guess, is that she's about to put out some type of content. I don't know what it's going to be, a show, a project, something that she's working on. And she's worried that people are going to go back in her history and they're going to say, well, when it was time to really make a statement about these things, whether it be race or diversity or gender, you fell short. Something's going to happen here. I don't know. She's going she's gonna to put something out there that you're going to know why she needed to say all this, to walk it back. You know the Hollywood walk back, right? It's like the walk back. You know, every time they say something, they get in trouble, or somebody says, you're not this enough, or you're not that enough, you're not woke enough, so they got to walk it back, right? They got to, they gotta, you know, apologize. They got to go into the confessional, the Hollywood confessional. So that's what she's doing, okay? And I guarantee you, you're going to see a project come out, and all this is going to make sense because it's one apology after the next that we see happening here. I wish she had a backbone. I really do. I loved that show. I wish people in Hollywood in general had backbones. Okay? You know who'd be making fun of all this nonsense? Chandler Bing, the character she created. This is ridiculous. Again, let these shows exist in the times that they existed in. Let them be what they were. You were the person you were then. You created it. That was the time. This is 1995 was the peak of Friends, right? Tyler told me before the show, what was it, Tyler? 1994 to 2004. And you know what I said? I said, well, the show just, it exited just as the crazy entered, right? Now you can't say anything. There would have been no comedy on that show. We talked about that as well. So it's sad. When I see this, it's sad to me. It's sad to watch someone. You know what? You know what I would really respect? Someone who would come out and just say, you know what? That's the time we were living in. 
that's how I felt about issues then. We were just creating good comedy. I don't know, no explanation needed. And just exit the stage. Don't give them that moment of, I'm so sorry. How much money can I donate to a cause of your choice? I mean, ugh. All right. Well, so you, I, she's doing Grace and Frankie now on Netflix. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched it. I haven't watched it's it. It's a huge show. Um, and who is in it is Martin Sheen, Lily Tomlin, and good old Hanoi Jane Fonda. So I, wonder, oh. I wonder if they're oh. not in her ear. And not to mention, this show is ultra progressive. Like the first episode, you have Jane Fonda and mm-hmm. Lily Tomlin and their husbands. Their husband leave, the, the, leave their wives to come out as gay partners. Yep. Okay, that's the first five minutes of the show. And then you got the gay lovers and they're surviving on their own as women and they start a sex company and this and that and the other. I mean, it's ultra progressive. Yeah, so the question is, did Jane get in her ear one? Good, good, could be. But I also think, I know she was doing a show on Netflix. I, I think there's going to be something else. I do. I really do. It's just too much. It's too much of like, apologize for this, apologize for that. You know, and why not just come out then and talk about this new show you're doing and all the things that you think you're doing right, according to Woke Kingdom. No, she had to go back. She had to walk up. There, there's something, I'm telling you, something's going to pop here. Something's going to pop. You know, when you know the balloon's going to pop and you just wait. My kid does that sometimes. I never give him a balloon because every time it's like, pop, and then I jump and I don't recover. And he's like, ha, 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 a balloon's about to pop. Just wait for it. Now, on that topic of people having no backbones, the lack of backbones in society, all that, I come across this other article from The Verge. Fascinating stuff. Japan to start jailing people for online insults. Now, I thought it was a joke. I was like, this has to, I'm still praying it is. Sometimes I come in here, guys, and I swear to you, I do these articles, and I'm really hoping that Tyler over here is going to say, Jed, that's comedy. You missed the joke. <laughs> but no. Here we are. Land of the serious. Serious. Getting scary. Let's check it out at The Verge. Posting online insults will be punishable by up to a year in prison time in Japan starting Thursday when a new law passed earlier this summer will go into effect. The law will be re-examined in three years to determine if it's impacting freedom of expression. You don't say. A concern raised by critics. You don't say that that could happen. That was my first thought. <laughs> you don't say. Come on. No way. Proponents said it was necessary to, show, to slow cyberbullying in the country. Now, look at the fines. People convicted of online insults can also be fined up to 300,000 yen. That's just over 2,200 bucks for an online insult. Previously, the punishment was fewer than 30 days in prison and up to 10,000 yen, 75 bucks. They're stepping it up. Japan is stepping it up big time. Now, check this out, though, because I immediately look at this like any sane person. And I'm like, hmm, online insults. What does that mean? You know, my slippery slope. Here it comes. There aren't clear definitions of what counts as an insult, a criminal lawyer in Japan told CNN after the law passed. The law says an insult means demeaning someone without a specific fact about them, as opposed to defamation, which it classifies as demeaning someone while pointing to a specific fact about them. This is the quote from the lawyer. At the moment, even if someone calls the leader of Japan an idiot, then maybe under the revised law, that could be classified as an insult. So if you call the leader an idiot, can you imagine what I mean in this country? There's a reason I'm doing this story, too, so stay seated. Look at the bottom. The United Kingdom also has laws criminalizing grossly offensive, grossly offensive public messages, and people have been arrested and fined for tweets. This is not a joke. For tweets, the language in its policies is also ambiguous. 
and courts decide what counts as grossly offensive on a case-by-case basis. Oh, isn't that interesting? So I wonder if some of this gets politically motivated along the way and suddenly that case-by-case basis gets very selective, right? Think about it. Think about the slippery slope. So the reason I cover stories like this is, you know, people say, well, it's Japan, Jed. You know, it's not happening here. No, not yet. Not yet. You see it's happening in the UK and you see what's going on here in this country. You're not blind. You're not dumb. You see what's going on here with social media in this country, how on Twitter people get shadow banned, how they get banned altogether, how certain misinformation, actual misinformation is allowed to sit while other misinformation gets pulled down because you're not part of the cause. You're not promoting the latest woke cause, whether it's the COVID-19 vaccine and the messaging they want on that, or whether it's gender and the messaging they want on that. If you don't follow and toe the line, you got to go. You see it happening all the time. It's already happening here. So my plea is to America, do not turn into Japan. Can we just not allow, don't wait till you get there. Don't get there and then say, oh, how did we get here? How did we get here? In the same way you don't wait until you get into a mandate zone on a vaccine, you stop the truck before it gets there. And you say, oh, no, that's not going to work for me. Okay? This is some scary stuff if you think about it. I also want to be a little controversial here. You, Jed? Someone at home is like, no way. Not you. I'm going to be a little controversial when it comes to the word bullying for a second. Okay? When I was young, and I taught in schools for a long time, so I'm very familiar with bullying and all this stuff. But when I was young, what was really a problem when it came to bullying was real bullying. And what that meant was violence, acts of violence toward other kids, which is completely, you know, should never be tolerated, cannot be tolerated. What it meant was real harassment, really strong language, cursing, ostracizing someone, you know, serious stuff, serious stuff where the parents would get called in, you'd have a conversation with teachers, parents, all of that stuff. What began to happen, I noticed, and this is 10 years ago when I was dean of, I was uh, an academic dean in high school. What I started to see was a different pattern, which is people would come to my office and there would be this huge charge of bullying. And I'd be like, okay, well, what's going on here? And it would be things like, well, that, you know, that student over there, he said that I was being silly. And I would be like, okay. And it was being labeled bullying, right? So it went from serious acts to now it was like every time somebody got a little bit of a feeling hurt here and there, it wound up having to be this big sit down and this big campaign and parents get called. Listen, I am not condoning bad behavior by children, right? I often think that when when you see bad behavior by children, often that is a reflection of bad parenting. I always say that. Your kids, you should teach your kids to be kind and respectful above all else, right? I firmly believe that. That's something I'm doing in my home with my child. With that being said, your kid is going to encounter jerk kids. There's going to be kids that didn't grow up in a home where those things were stressed. There's going to be kids that are mean. There are mean girls. There are mean boys. There are adult mean girls, by the way, too, and adult mean boys. But they're going to encounter people in life who are not nice. That is a reality. That is a fact. You have to also teach your kids to just puff up in those moments and just shake it off. You have to. And again, we're not talking about violence. We're not talking about harassment. We're not talking about serious cases of bullying. But somebody calls you silly or says, oh, that was so dumb. You're being silly. You're being stupid. Shake it off. Build those backbones young. Okay? 
I'm saying that as someone who sat in meetings as a teacher when there were serious cases of bullying that needed to be addressed and phoned those parents, student advisor, academic dean, all of it. I was in, in all of it. But I'm also saying that as someone who would sit there sometimes and say, wow, why are we teaching kids that something like calling you silly is a moment that we all need to say? No, that should be a moment that that kid said, huh, whatever, walked away, puffed up, walked away and forgot about it. Build your kids to be strong from the inside out because they're going to encounter a lot of things in life. They're going to encounter a lot of people who aren't very nice. They have to be able to handle that. And it does start young. That's just a reality. We don't have to like all of this, but it's true. Now let me get to the adults for a second, okay? <sighs> adults, I always talk about the babyfication of America and how we're growing a bunch of adult babies. You got to stop. You got to stop crying in the corner and asking for a safe space. It's bad enough that we have safe spaces for kids. I don't have time and no other adult, functioning adult, has time to create a safe space for you. So stop it. So when I look at what's happening in Japan, when I look at what's happening all over the place, it worries me because it's a twofold problem. It's a problem of wanting to censor. It's a problem of wanting to, oh, you said something that goes against the narrative that we want. We have to pull you off. And it's also a problem of people not being able to handle criticism and crying. Who can I cry to? Can I cry to the government? Will mommy and daddy government come rescue me? Stop it. It all needs to stop. And we're entering the realm of crazy on all this stuff too. All this stuff, the, I always say we're in the realm of crazy now, right? Friends left as the crazy entered. The crazy is here. On that note, speaking to the crazy, not saying it's crazy necessarily, but it may be crazy to me. I saw this, this site called Fatherly. I had never seen this site before and it was intriguing to me. My parents are coming down to visit this week. I'm very excited. I'm a family girl at heart. I can't wait. I haven't seen them in a few months. Very, very excited. I don't know if South Florida can handle how much crazy Italian is going to be up in your business, but we're about to find out. But I was talking to my dad the other day, and as I'm talking to him, I happen to be looking at this site, Fatherly. I'm scrolling. I'm like, oh, how interesting. Then I see this article. Science explains why men can't lactate, but sometimes do. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Why does this article need to exist? Okay. Let's take a look at it, shall we? Oh, here it is. I already had it. <laughs> I'm one step ahead of the game. All men have nipples and mammary glands, and most have the desire to bond with their babies and give their partners a breastfeeding break. Alas, you cannot milk a man. Who knew? Dad nipples are merely decorative. They're like tinsel on the Christmas tree. Not very functional, but they're there nonetheless. But that doesn't mean men are technically unable to lactate. In fact, the scientific evidence suggests that it could happen under the right conditions. If you read down in the article, it goes on to tell you that those right conditions usually mean there's a, there's a medical problem going on, okay? So men come into this world with all the right hardware for the job, but puberty sets dads to be down the wrong path for milk production. What do you say? Hmm. When a man does lactate, and yes, it happens, this the article explains, it is almost always a symptom of an underlying medical problem or thanks to injections of estrogen and prolactin, which come with a slew of side effects. Male lactation is a known side effect of anabolic steroids and Thorazine, some antipsychotic medication. Pituitary tumors and cirrhosis of the liver can also make men produce milk from their nipples. So let's bottom line this one for everyone. Men don't lactate unless it's a problem because men aren't women. Men aren't women. 
let's be controversial for a moment. Can you believe this is controversial in 2022? Me saying men aren't women is controversial. What in heaven's name is going on in society? So here, let's break down. Men aren't women. Men who identify as women aren't women. Men are men. Women are women. Now, if you take a bunch of medication, as the article said, maybe you could do something to your body that's weird, but it's not recommended because there are side effects. That's not what's supposed to be happening, right? Now, a couple of comments on this. I've said before I would have loved to be able to delegate some of the breastfeeding responsibilities to my husband. I've said it. Breastfeeding is hard, okay? It's hard. It's really hard, but it's very empowering, right? You're feeding. Can you imagine... I was able to feed a person off of my own body. That's some superpower stuff right there. I don't want it taken away from me. I don't want it called chest feeding. I breastfed with my breasts. I'm proud to have done it. Stop trying to take that away from women. We're not interested in that game. We know what we did. It kept us up at night. It hurts sometimes. It's exhausting, but it's very fulfilling and it's very rewarding and it's very empowering. I wish I would have done it longer, frankly. I did it for, you know, true story, I did it for four months, almost four months, because I had to go back to work. And I was working a very challenging job. Some of you know I was working the Fox and Friends weekend shift. I was up at three in the morning. And there were these long stretches of time when I couldn't pump milk. And weird stuff would happen, like leakage. It was a lot going on. So I had to stop. If I could go back, I would go back and I would prioritize that breastfeeding. I would place my job as number two because now I know a lot of the benefits that I didn't know then about breastfeeding. Regardless, we'll get back to this because there's some more stuff that we have to talk about when it comes to baby formula and the FDA. We'll get there. But can I just say on this article with why can't men breastfeed, why does this column need to exist? We are now in a time where this is the great debate. All right, let's sit down and let's really talk about first world problems too. Food shortages, people can't find their baby formula, you can't put gas in your car, and everyone's like, no, no, let's talk about whether men can breastfeed. I think it's an important debate. Is it, though? Anyway, they felt the need to weigh in, because doesn't everybody? This is a, this is, this is a sign of the sickness that we're in, right? That this is what we're talking about. It's pretty obvious, guys, girls, whoever, however you identify, it's pretty obvious that men can't breastfeed and there is a biological reason why, okay? Can we just, end, why is that not sufficient to just end that topic and move on? They even, they even have a saying for it. Maybe it's a Southern thing, but the old saying is uh, it's about as worthless as tits on a boar. There you go. <laughs> That's a, I've never heard that. You never, yeah, maybe it's a Southern <laughs> Did thing. You have, have you ever had the desire, Tyler, to breastfeed a bit? Do you sit and say, I wish that was something I could do Truthfully, I wonder how men feel about this sometimes. Nope. No. Not at once. It's hard. It's very hard. And let me tell you something. Now that I know the benefits of it, man, I would have been breastfeeding that child till a year old. I would have had milk stocked up to the ceiling. I was, I was not, I knew it was good. I knew it was healthy, but I didn't realize how much I was given up by not going for a full year. I'll tell you that. Have you seen, uh, have you seen grownups, Adam Sandler and, and uh, Kevin James? No, but I feel like a scene is popping into my head. It's, she's breastfeeding her child, and they ask her, they go, how old's your child? 48 months. Yeah. <laughs> That's four. <laughs> yeah. Is you know Jedediah? who breastfed really late, actually? Um, what's her name? The woman who used to be on Blossom. Ma'am, uh, I, I always forget her name wrong, and I say it wrong all the time. She breastfed really late, 
And people get a lot of heat for that. I had a friend who breastfed for a really long time. And at the time, I was like, what are you doing? Now Ma'am I'm like. Bialik? Her, Ma'am, yeah. yeah. She breastfed for a really long time. It's good. It's really good for the babies. It's really good. For, I'm very grateful I did it. I'm very angry at myself for, for stopping to prioritize some job. Um, and that's another thing, by the way, side note. People who, lo- who say they have no regrets in life, they're lying. Everybody's got some regret. Everybody's got something they would do differently. Don't say you don't. Don't say, oh, no, not my life. It's full of no regrets. No, you're lying. There's something in there. All right, speaking of a society gone mad, I spoke to you last week about the vaccine, and I said, well, some, there are people out there that are like, Jed, why are you still talking about the vaccine mandates? Well, I'll tell you why. Let's, let's talk about the Daily Mail for a second. Let's take a little journey. U.S. Army slashes pay for 60,000 soldiers who refuse to get jabbed as Biden cracks down on the unvaccinated. Remember the winter of death? Joe Biden and all his, I don't know, lost in space, whatever he is right now. The winter of death was supposed to come for the unvaccinated. I didn't see a winter of death. I don't know. Must have been me. Anyway, about 40,000 National Guard soldiers and 22,000 reservists have still not been vaccinated. The horror. The horror. The deadline for all Guard soldiers to get immunized was June 30th. They will no longer be allowed to participate in federally funded drills. 13% of Guard soldiers and 12% of reservists still have not received their shots. There have been 30,000 requests for religious and medical waivers from the requirement, but none have been granted. Is this or is this not the land of the free? Is this or is this not the land of the free? Did you hear that, what I just said? That all of those requests, 30,000 requests for religious and medical exemptions have been, they've been requested and they've not been granted. That means they've been denied or paused or whatever they've done. So we expect these men and women in uniform to go on the front lines in the army, and we expect them to fight for freedom, and in the same breath, we want to tell them they don't have any. That's not going to work for me. This is why I fight. This is why I'm not going to be shutting up about vaccine mandates anytime soon. Sorry to disappoint you if you're waiting for me to be quiet about it. Go down to the bottom of the article. The army has raised the stakes for anti-vaxxer soldiers. I love this article. Who? Who's to say they're anti-vax? Do you know how many vaccines? Do you know how many vaccines people in the army have to get? They get a bunch of vaccines. They don't find every one of them. Maybe it's about this one. Maybe it's about this one because this one doesn't prevent transmission. Maybe because it's experimental. Maybe because they don't like the studies or they don't like what they're finding out about the trials or they want to sit and wait for a while before they decide they're going to get it. They're not fighting every vaccine. They're not anti-vaxxers ridiculous language in the future soldiers who continue to refuse the vaccination order without an exemption may be subject to additional adverse administrative action including separation they're threatening them they are threatening these men and women okay unbelievable i gotta love this language too this this was written at the daily mail remember i told you guys what happened to me at the daily mail i told you that yeah wrote an article for the Daily Mail. They came to me. They said, can you write an article opposing, you know, we want to catch the other side of the vaccine debate, opposing the mandates. I write the article. They come to me like 20 times, like, you sure you don't want to revise this part? You sure don't want to write? There was like a panic about what I had said, which really all I had said is the vaccine doesn't prevent transmission and it shouldn't be mandated and gave a couple of examples of the studies. (laughs) In the dead of the night, my article comes down, gets pulled down. I mean, ridiculousness. So it doesn't surprise me that the Daily Mail, I know people say, oh, I the Daily Mail. And I quote from the Daily Mail often on the show. There are a lot of articles there I enjoy. Does not surprise me that this article says, raise the stakes for anti-vaxxer soldiers. They're not anti-vax. 
If you were anti-vax, you couldn't go into the military because you wouldn't want to get any of the vaccines. This is about this vaccine that functions differently from the other vaccines. We know that, do we not? Come on. So men and women in the uniform, I'm speaking to you for a second. I'm speaking right to you. If you don't want to get this vaccine, don't get it. Don't get it. You do what's right for your body. You do what's right for your health. You do what's right for your family. I've had some people in the military come to me and say that they have gone through a crisis of conscience in this moment because they feel like they are going to be performing some dereliction of duty, like they're abandoning what they're meant to do, like they feel like they're letting people down. You're not. I am here to tell you that you are not. You're not letting anybody down if you decide that you can't do this job because you would have to do something that you feel has been medically advised against for you or you don't feel right about or you feel like you're before. We have your back. Many of us out here have your back. We respect your right to make these individual decisions for yourself. Again, we can't expect you to go out and fight for freedom if you have none. And this is not based in science. We know that the mandates. This should be a personal decision up to you. And we're going to fight to protect you in this process. So there's no hate going on here. There's no, oh, you're not doing your job. If anything, we're standing up and we're fighting for your rights as well. So do never feel that guilt. It, it makes me very sad, very upset to see people in the military feel guilt related to this. On that note, I happened to look at NBC and um, there was some study that was done on the COVID boosters. And I see NBC New York, COVID boosters might be less than 20% effective after a few months. I was like, less than 20%? What? What's going on here? An Italian study, apparently, an Italian review of COVID studies found that the boosters restore vaccine effectiveness against Omicron initially, but that protection falls off. Of course, this is based off a study, not from my mouth, not my opinion. This is the study that I'm citing. COVID booster shots appear to be less than 20% effective against infection with the Omicron variant of the virus just a few months after the booster is given. Overall, the research has found that nine months after administration, two doses of a vaccine were less than 5% effective at stopping a symptomatic Omicron infection, and three doses were no more than about 22% effective. So why am I bringing this up to you? Not to tell you what to do about the vaccine. I've said a million times on this show, you want to get the vaccine, you want to get the booster, you want to get 95 boosters, you want to get annual boosters, that's up to you. That's not my decision. I don't want to be making that decision. I'm telling you this because do you see the absurdity of the parallel between these two stories? The study on effectiveness or lack thereof in, in you know, prolong, in, in, in like three months out, four months out, five months out, and then the mandates that they're issuing to people in the military that they have to get these things or they lose their job. Again, I ask, side note, if you wanted to actively destroy a country if you wanted to actively destroy a country, what would you go after? Maybe you'd go after the military. You've got a military that's being told you gotta get an experimental shot that doesn't stop transmission or you're fired. And at the same time, that military has to sit and watch woke videos. We talked about those videos about gender all day long, all day and all night. Where's the part where they get ready for combat? Where's that part? We forgot in the midst of them putting on a sticker and flying a flag and being part of some woke cause and getting jabbed. Where's the part about them being ready for combat? I thought that was supposed to be the focus. What's going on in America, people? What's going on in this administration? They looking to build a big, strong, healthy country. Does it sound like that to you? Doesn't sound like that to me. Just my opinion.
<sighs> on that note, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, and I see another column related to COVID-19. You ask why I'm still talking about COVID-19? Because they're still talking about COVID-19. As long as these maniacs keep talking about it, I'm going to keep talking about it, right? Here we are, Washington Post. The title, The Worst Virus Variant Just Arrived. The Pandemic Is Not Over. I feel like I needed a voiceover for that one, Tyler. It would have really helped me. Don't forget, democracy dies in darkness, Washington That's Post. right. Owned by Jeff Bezos, who simultaneously attacked Elon Musk for buying Twitter. Maybe we need the, the Tyler spicy voice for that. Spicy. There you go. <laughs> so that's the title of the article, right? The pandemic's not over. This is what it says. I'll just read a little paragraph because, honestly, it's too ridiculous to go on. So I'll read a small one. What's BA5? This is the latest sub-variant of Omicron which stormed the planet late last year and caused a huge wave of infection. As of now, BA5 and a closely related variant, BA4, account for about 70% of all infections in the United States, according to estimates by the CDC, blah, 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 blah. And look what it says in the opening. Now the coronavirus is speeding up once again, mutating, evading immunity, and still on the march. The arrival of the subvariant BA5 should be a reminder that the finish line in this race is nowhere to be seen. I should be casting a movie after that. I'm feeling really good about myself. Okay, so in other words, panic. Get in your panic room. Press the panic button. Stay away from people. Put on your six masks. Are you done listening yet? Or are you still, you still signing up for this? I'm just wondering. So let's go back. I'm going to put this chart. Every time I do an article with the crazy, I'm going to remind you of the facts. Let's put it up again. Tyler, do you have that comorbidities and other conditions? From the CDC, Tyler's going to take a second to get it up. I'm just going to remind you, throughout this pandemic, this is from the Center for Disease Control, not from me, not my opinion. Again, talks about the COVID deaths, and it talks about the different conditions and the comorbidities. I have it right here. You see, it's this chart that we look right here. And it says on there, there you go. Look at the comorbidities. You look at the top, it says for over 5% of these deaths, COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned. Again, for 95% of the deaths with COVID, there were four or more comorbidities listed. That's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about when we talk about, when we, when we, when we bring up this fear porn, you need to know the facts. Don't let it get you the second time or the third time or the fourth time or the fifth time or the annual time because this isn't going away. Why isn't it going away, you ask? So let's talk again. I'm not letting go on this stuff. Because they're not letting go. I'm not afraid of big pharma and I'm not afraid of big government. So let's go. They need you scared. They need you compliant. They need you dependent. Or they don't win. They need you constantly afraid of a new variant. Where does that put money? It puts money in big pharma's pocket. You're like, oh my gosh, there's a new variant. Oh my God. You don't ask about liability protection. You don't, ask, you don't ask what's in it. You don't ask about the studies. You're afraid. You're like this, right? You're like, just give me something. Just give me. You're like a druggie. You're like, give me something. I'm scared. 
They want you afraid of each other, right? Because when you have solidarity among people, we have shared humanity, you talk to people, you realize, oh, that's not my enemy. That could even potentially be my friend. They need all of this in place because a society that is afraid, a society that is isolated, I'm going to say it again, is a society that can be easily manipulated, is a society that can be controlled, is a society that views big daddy government as what they need, is a society that maybe even if you live in fear and you stay inside and you don't get any sunshine and you followed all those orders like don't go on the beach, close the beaches down when you really needed that vitamin D to be able to build your immune system, a society that follows all of that stuff maybe even gets chronically sick, right? And then there are constant cash flow, cash, cash flow for big pharma, a constant dependent, and maybe they're not even that productive anymore and they get really sick, they're chronically ill. So then they're like, well, what can the government do for me? That unemployment check. And all of a sudden you have a nation of dependents, big daddy government keeps its power, big pharma gets its cash, cash just flowing out of its pockets. And you know who suffers? You. You suffer. Okay? You want to be ready in a pandemic? Get healthy. Get healthy, eat real food, real quality food, not fake synthetic meat, not bugs, we'll get to that. Eat real food, get some sunshine, get some vitamin D, connect with nature, meditate, get eight hours of sleep, seven if you're having a rough night, I know it's hard, I have two-year-olds, I get it. Get your sleep, take quality supplements, take care of your body. Where are all the health experts and all the Fauciites on that? They skipped the exercise portion. They were like, we're going to skip that. Yeah, we're going to skip that. We're going to tell everybody to leave the beach, close down that beach, stay inside all alone. Yeah, that was good advice. That went out. That worked out real well in places like New York, California, right? Shut down their business, loot all their money, get into a state of desperation. So I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop because they're not done. I told you this last week. Round two is coming and I need you to be ready. Not because I need you to resist one form of treatment again. This is not about telling you what to do. You understand I am here to empower you to decide what to do. They're telling you what to do. I don't want you dependent on government. I want you dependent on you. So I'm their worst nightmare. Too bad. I'm going to be like Freddy Krueger to the Joe Bidens of the world. You know that? They're going to go to sleep. They're going to have nightmares about freedom. <laughs> Me waving American flags. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, eagles flying overhead. Monster trucks going That's in the background. That's right. You know that, that scene from The Patriot where he just mm -hmm. like rides in on the horn? That's going to be me, only I'm in Joe Biden's nightmare. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. He won't know it anyway. He doesn't know where he is most of the time. That's sad. Should, we shouldn't make fun of it. Very, very sad. But End of also, quote. Repeat the line. Yeah, exactly. What was that? You saw that. I was going to do that today, but it had been so overplayed. You saw that where Joe Biden, uh, there was a clip of Joe Biden that he, you know, he's reading the prompter and it says like, repeat the line. And he says... They wanted him to repeat the line in the front. He says, repeat the line. He's lost in space. This guy is lost in space. And I feel very sorry for him because I feel sorry for anyone in that position whose loved ones have not said, okay, you got to, you know, we got to get him out of here. This right. is not. What does that say about Jill and Hunter? Exactly. They're letting this happen. Like that right. they're letting him go out there every day and just, it's not his fault, but he's just making a fool of himself. He's. It's sad. It's very sad. He's not a well guy. He should not be the leader of the free world right now. He's not in any position to do it. And they're not going to run him again. There's going to be, I told you that already. This is it for him. They're just trying to figure out, oh, Kamala can't form three sentences without <laughs> the hyena laugh coming in. <laughs> Whatever that is. 
serious moments, but I don't even know what's going on there. She talks like, like I told you, she talks like she got called up to the front of the class in sixth grade and she's supposed to give a presentation only she forgot and she's trying to just string something together. You know, the clouds, the sky, the earth, the, the, the grass, abortion. <laughs> it's like that. So it can't be her. We all know that. They know that too. I'm sure you saw this, but I was just, I was reading a little farther in that Washington Post article. Mm-hmm. Whether BA5 will lead to more, uh, more severe disease isn't clear yet. But knowing that the virus is spreading should reinforce the need for familiar mitigation uh, measures, high quality face masks, better air filtration and ventilation and avoiding exposure in crowded indoor spaces. They openly admit that it's not going to do anything. No, because it's not about again, it's not about how dangerous it is. It's about what they can get away with in terms of telling you what to do. It's like they can look what they managed to convince us all of, at least initially. I was part of that. You know that I was scared. I was wiping down my packages like a moron. But I'm not still wiping them down, okay? There are people still with latex gloves and N95. and the, I mean, you know, I'm telling you, people lost their mind. It's, it's an important discussion. And I should have a psychologist on here. I would actually like to talk about the psychosis that happened because there are people that have legitimately lost their minds and, and they're not getting it back anytime soon. The psychosis is here to stay. All right, speaking of corruption and weirdness and lack of focus on health, let's talk about the FDA, I mean, big pharma. I mean, the FDA. Sorry. Slip the tongue. Reason. Reason. Publication. FDA finally admits it caused the baby formula shortage. So this piqued my interest, right? Because I have a lot of that guilt about breastfeeding. We talked about that before. And I see this and I'm like, what's going on here with the FDA? (sighs) The Food and Drug Administration has finally determined what's to blame for America's recent shortage of baby formula. The FDA. What do you say? More specifically, it's the FDA's unnecessary and protectionist rules that effectively ban foreign-made baby formula from being imported into the United States. On Wednesday, the agency announced plans to tweak those rules so foreign formula manufacturers can permanently import their goods into the U.S., giving consumers greater choice in the marketplace and ensuring more robust supply chains. What a novel idea. And then it goes down to explain a little bit, which is important. I'm going to read it. As Reason has detailed throughout the recent crisis, the FDA's priorities have been protecting the domestic formula industry. That's important. Remember that. And the dairy industry, which provides key inputs for baby formula from foreign competition. As a result, it's nearly impossible to find foreign-made baby formula in the U.S., even though formula manufacturers based in England, the Netherlands, and Germany are some of the biggest suppliers of baby formula to the rest of the world. So you see what happened here? Right. You get it. The FDA decides it's going to protect the baby formula industry in the United States and um, the dairy industry, which feeds a lot of the baby formula industry in the United States. They decide they're going to have these protectionist policies and they're going to prevent those other products from coming in. Now, you might ask yourself, well, why do they need to do that? So let me be honest with you, because the baby formula in the U.S. stinks. Because it's loaded up with garbage. That's why. And parents know it. There is a whole black market, by the way. I'm going to share with you of people in the United States who have babies and purchase European baby formula on the black market. Do you know why they do that? Because they look at the ingredients of the baby formula in the U.S. I did the same thing. So I will share again. I told you before that I breastfed for four months. When I switched over to formula for those last two months before I went to solid food, I'm a health and wellness girl. I didn't feel right about that switch to formula. I really didn't have much of a choice because I was leaking on set (laughs) and I couldn't get the proper breaks to pump 
without feeling like I was going to compromise my job. I would on Fox and Friends, I got like three minute breaks here and there. That was on me, not on them. I could have insisted. I didn't. I should have. I should have. But I made that switch to formula thinking, okay, well, I will get a biodynamic, organic, holistic formula from Europe. And that's what I did. I know the black market exists because I was on it. Ha ha. There you go. I wasn't going to give my kid the formula in the U.S. Do you know why? Because I looked at the ingredients. Corn syrup solids, a whole bunch of garbage. I was like, this is not. No, honey, I'm not giving this to them. So what did the FDA do? Instead of prioritizing, if the FDA really cared about what was going on with baby formula, you know what they would do? They would let the market fix it. They would let all that European formula flood the U.S. border. They would let parents make a decision. I guarantee you a whole bunch of them would buy that European formula, and that would force the suppliers in the United States to make a better product. They would have to look at their ingredient list. And I will give a shout out to a couple. Of, I won't say the companies because I don't remember them, but there were a couple that were making goat milk formula that were really trying to purify those ingredients in the United States to complete, compete with those European products. But they didn't have to work that hard because they were competing with most of the American products, which are garbage. What they give you in the hospital nine out of 10 times, you look at the ingredients, you want to cry. Not every parent has the option to say, well, let me go find European formula. Not every parent knows. And they're stuck, right? You're in the hospital. You have a baby. Sometimes the milk doesn't produce right away. You need your baby to eat. You panic. That's what's offered, right? What I'm trying to tell you is that instead of making the product and inspiring that product to be better here by letting the market work, they shut down the market and they leave parents with no option other than the crap formula or go on the black market. That's the FDA for you. That's what's happening. Parents know this. I guarantee you there are parents sitting at home right now who've done the research on the formulas. Oftentimes, the reason parents, uh, women breastfeed for so long is because they don't want to go the formula route because they look at the ingredients. They're like, I'm not giving that to my kid. I wouldn't eat that. Very, very challenging. Also, just a fun fact in the article, it also says something that it's important for people to know. It says in the article, if a formula maker has passed the muster under EU regulations, that should be good enough for the FDA. 100% because EU regulations are much stricter. So that's interesting to note when it comes to baby formula, when it comes to makeup, when it comes to hair dye, when it comes to most of the products that we use, um, the EU regulations are much stricter. So a lot of those toxic chemicals and stuff get weeded out much more regularly in the EU than they do here. So again, if the American companies really had to com compete with some of these European companies on many products, by the way, there'd be a problem for the American companies. Or there wouldn't because those companies would then say to themselves, we have to compete. We want to make money. We got to create cleaner products. We have to create better ingredients. We have to appeal to the marketplace that is you. Protectionism never works. Protectionism hurts you. It always, always, always hurts the consumer of that product. Speaking of health, have you seen the Let Them Eat Bugs campaign? Let's all eat bugs. Have you seen this? Celebrities doing this now. It's not, it's not new. I remember Angelina Jolie talking about bugs a while back. It's been trickling in, but now it's got, it's got some like gumption to it now. So I go and I see this uh, Vanity Fair did this video of Nicole Kidman eating bugs. Let's take a look at some of it so we can talk about it, shall we? Here she is. That's Nicole. I'm Nicole Kidman. And I am going to eat a four-course meal up. of bugs. I am here to reveal my hidden talent, eating micro livestock, cornworms, they're still alive. Mm -hmm. 
You see Ooh. what's going on here? It's like Fear Factor, only with Nicole Kidman. It's mm. fantastic in a way. Very moist, chewy. Comments on this. It's Vanity Fair. Fiber, but need a little water. <laughs> okay, so let's pause. This is all fun and games. Ha, ha, ha. Joke, joke, joke. Ha, ha. How much do you think Nicole Kidman got paid to do that? You think she did it for free? Do you? Do you remember when we talked about the Kardashians and the fake meat? Kim was just like holding that like Beyond Burger and everyone was like, you didn't even bite it. She got a lot of heat for that. Remember Khloe Kardashian all half naked with Travis and they're like daring. It's synthetic meat. It's really healthy. And you and I sat on this show and we read the ingredients. It's not healthy. It's junk. Now you've got Nicole Kidman eating bugs. So what's going on here? There's always something going on. So, you know, there's somebody else who likes the idea of, of eating bugs. Bill Gates. <gasps> Shocking. The Washington Times. Let's take a look. It's called Let Them Eat Bugs. Interesting. Gates is a guy who sparked headlines like this from the Post in February. Bill Gates wants you to eat artificial meat. He likes the fake meat, too, by the way, guys. Oh, yeah. And this from survivingtomorrow.org in March. Billionaire elites want you to eat bugs, and you will. Hmm. This, the article cites, from the World Economic Forum in September of 2019. Burgers, bugs, and the shift to a new way of eating. Oh, so that's interesting. There's all these high-level celebrities. It's Bill Gates. It's the World Economic Forum. And they're all coming out. It's pure coincidence, of course, with the same message. Eat fake meat and eat bugs. Wow, that's a, a head-scratcher going on here. I read further in the article some interesting little tidbits. Gates, the Associated Press wrote in June, is considered the largest private owner of farmland in this country, with some 269,000 acres across dozens of states, according to last year's edition of the Land Report 100. Well, that's interesting to me. Hmm. Turn to the second page of the article. Bill Gates' rich nation should shift entirely to synthetic beef. And from his own Gates notes post a few months earlier in December 2020, he wrote, there's another global disaster we also need to try to prevent climate change. So in the name of climate change, they're talking about synthetic meat. They're talking about eating bugs. There's another little line buried in this article, though. You ready? All Things Bugs, another U.S. startup, raised $100,000 in initial seed funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to develop an eco-friendly, ready-to-use, therapeutic food product made from insects for children in famine-stricken countries. So interesting. Okay, there's a lot of pieces here. I don't have the answers on all this, but there's a lot of floating pieces, right? You got Bill Gates buying up a bunch of farm. What's he going to do with the farmland? I mean, he's not going to use it all to grow this bug mixture that he's then going to sell and make a shit ton of cash off of, right? I don't think so. Or, I mean, he's not going to buy up all that land and suddenly there's all these food shortages and then people need to eat the bugs. That wouldn't happen. No, that doesn't, that can't be. It's a lot going on here. I get nervous whenever there seems to be an organized message like that. So here's what I'm going to say to you. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Eating meat, I was, I was, I was uh, plant-based for many years. Eating good quality meat is very healthy for you. Okay, and by that I mean grass-fed, grass-finished meat, I mean pasture-raised meat. You ever been to a farm, you know how these farmers take great care. This wild seafood, this stuff is really hard to duplicate in when you eat a plant-based diet. I know haters are going to hate, but I did it. I did the plant-based, I did the nuts and seeds, I did the beans, I did it healthy. I didn't eat daring garbage meat. I did it healthy. It was very hard to replicate. 
The nutrient density of these items, these meats, are very, very high, and they're very potent for the body, and they're very, very good for you in many, many ways, okay? We're going to have some health experts on that talk about those diets and why people struggle who sometimes remove these whole food groups. So what do you think happens to a society where you remove these things? You think they get sicker or better? It just seems to me like a lot is going on in the world right now that's making people sicker. Chronic illness on the rise. Gates can't decide whether he wants to prioritize you eating bugs and synthetic garbage meat or getting another booster shot. Hmm. That's interesting. An interesting focus on health and wellness, no? Huh. So what I'm telling you is to get armed with information, okay? I find it really odd. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm really not. People who know my work will know. Sometimes I haven't been conspiracy theorist enough for some people's taste. <laughs> but bottom line is, you got a lot of strange fires going on at food plants. You got a lot of shortages popping up. You got a lot of people in positions of power that seem to have a coordinated message now about eating bugs and eating synthetic meat and how meat is bad. And in order to save the climate, you got to go plant based. And you have a chronically sick population. Okay, that's getting worse. People who are chronically sick also always remember people who are chronically sick typically become repeat customers for big pharma because you get hopeless, right? You don't know what to do. You're like, I feel sick. Let me go. You get another prescription. All of a sudden, you're on a prescription that rotates every month. All of a sudden, you're getting X amount of tests that's prescribed. They make a fortune off sick people. The big pharma industry makes <laughs> all of their money off of the sick. You get yourself well, all of a sudden, they're in trouble. I'm just saying there's some, something going on here that stinks, I don't know what it is. I don't know exactly what Gates intends to do with all that farmland. I don't know. What I do know is that the messaging putting out there, being put out there about food is bad for you. So I'm going to tell you, do your own research. You get one body. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it over and over again. You get one body in this life. Take care of it. Ask your questions. Do your research. Make your decisions. Something suspicious is going on. Something strange. Something that strikes me as very, very odd and a little too coordinated for my taste. You may feel the same. You may not. Okay. Also, stop listening to celebrities. Just a side note. They're not, Nicole Kidman is not sitting in her house with her private chef saying, I will take um, two caterpillars slightly roasted with a side of um, basil dressing and I would like a tarantula cooked medium well. That's not happening. That was for a video that she probably get paid, got paid a nice sum of money for. Know that. Stop listening to these celebrities. In the same way we talk, Tyler and I, we're making a little bit of fun about the Kardashians and how their, their chef is probably not cooking up daring meat on a Saturday night. Daring meat. It's probably not what they're having. They're having Wagyu steak. Yeah. <laughs> Where the, they have cows getting massaged specifically right. for the Kardashians. Right. right. They're like... Did that cow eat it? They're, they know exactly what the cow ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So come on. Okay. And, and if they're not, they should be, honestly. Or they shouldn't be. Right. What a waste. Honestly. What a waste of all that money if you're eating daring. You never know with people. All right. I'm going to switch to the last two topics today are more social commentary. Um, I think we need a little bit of a break from all this heavy World Economic Forum. People trying to destroy the world. Crazies. So I want to talk about parenting. There was a, a viral TikTok video caught my eye. A mom made this video showing her son. Her son is five years old and her son got punished for refusing to clean his room. Okay. 
And the punishment started a pretty intense debate online. So let's show it. I'm going to show it in full. It's not very long at all. And then let's talk about it. That's her. Two days in a row to clean his room. Two days in a row. And his response is, no, you clean it, mommy. Okay? I will do that gladly. Just throwing all the toys away. I'll read that text to you in a second if it's too hard to read because we're going to go over that. Okay, so this caused a huge controversy, okay? One of the biggest components of why it was so controversial is because the, the kid is five. I think it's a little boy. I'm not 100% sure. Kid is five. So my first comment on this, why are there so many toys? That's too much going on, okay? And I know it's hard. I know, like, grandma brings a toy and grandpa brings a toy and aunt. Maria brings a toy and suddenly it's just like a toy factory, right? I don't allow that stuff in my house because one, it's too much stimulation for kids. Two, they don't play with all of it. It just winds up being a mess, right? That's how it works. So you gotta, as a parent, you gotta say, okay, I have a philosophy, a toy comes in, a toy goes out. We donate the toy, we bring a new toy in, we donate the old toy. I have, Hartley has a small section of his room for toys, a small section of the living room. It doesn't look like a toy factory, I won't allow it. Okay, it's not necessary and it's overstimulating for these kids. Remember when we were little, you know what I played with sticks, little sticks. I was like, oh, let me write my name in the dirt. Let me wipe it, let me write it again. Okay, like they really don't need all that stuff going on. That's number one. Secondly, this is for a five-year-old. So that's why it was controversial. A five-year-old to me needs to be disciplined but not to be traumatized. He's, that baby's too small to go, and that room was filled with toys. That's too many toys. You allowed too many toys as a parent to go into that house. You know it. And now the kid is going to make a mess because it's a kid. He's a kid, and he's going to just make a mess, and he's not going to know what to do. It's like overwhelming. You got to go around that room with him and be like, look, we're going to play a game. We're going to do it together. So you play, and then we're going to have, this is how you clean up, and we're gonna, I'm going to show you, and maybe there's a little reward. I don't know how you do it in your house. We do it together. We do clean up time together. You can't traumatize a five-year-old. It's very traumatizing for that kid to have all those toys there and then suddenly you see the toys are gone because they bond with those toys, you know, like their little stuffed animals, their blankie, their truck. Very, very traumatizing. Now, let's get to the root of what's wrong here. Did you see the text? This is what the text read on the screen. Mama is not raising no disrespectful men. It's not a mommy's job or women's job to do anything. You make the mess, clean it up. You see mama struggling, help her. Don't sit there and let a woman struggle, period. My babies will learn this quickly. So, okay. There's some issues going on here. She's got the issues. She's got issues. I don't know who it's with. I don't know if it's with a man, if it's with something's going on here that she transferred onto that kid. This suddenly became about not just a five-year-old, not cleaning his room. This became about men and women's jobs and is disrespectful. And somehow you're making that five-year-old little boy bear the burden of probably disrespect that was thrown your way by a grown-ass man. Let's call it what it is. You can't do that. That's why it became controversial. Because it became very clear to people, is my guess, that this was no longer a conversation about a little boy cleaning his room, but went a lot deeper than that. 
What do you think, Tyler? I mean, would you you have a little kid? How old is your How old is your baby? My daughter's eighteen months. Eighteen. She months. puts all her toys away. I agree with this mother hundred and ten percent. You do agree. Okay. Every so now, would way. you do you feel like it's a little too harsh though to like discard the toys? Was that a step too far for you? No. So for one, I don't know. It, I'd be surprised if she actually threw them away. Maybe right. she did. Maybe she put them in the garage or something. Okay. Two. At four years old, I was doing karate and i everything i did was discipline yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir. texas down the line don't make me talk about texas again and tyler listen you have to get these kids early because mm. if, if you let them go down this path it only gets more and more and more ingrained and i'm not listen at five years old i don't think that's too young i think it maybe three like no work like you say work with your kids sit together but at 18 months like if aurora pulls a book out and she reads it. She passes it back to us. And we say, okay, now we put it back. And she goes to put it mm, back. That's good parenting, though. And you know what, though? You started that early. What I get the vibe from this situation is that she let it go too far. If that's the case, then that's on her. Yeah. It's but, just, it seems to me like, first of all, there's a lot of toys going on there. So how did it get true. that bad? Yeah, that's fair. You know what I'm saying? That's how did it get that bad? You had to let it get that bad. Or you realized... When there were half as many toys that your kid wasn't picking them up and then you added more to the pile. What you need to do is when you see a situation, and Hartley's not a big fan. Aurora's a beautiful name, by the way. I love, he thinks of Princess Aurora. I love that. Um, Hartley's not a big fan of picking up the toys. I'm going to be honest with you. I have to really, like, get him to do it. Doesn't do it naturally. Now he's getting into it a little bit because he's like, oh, mommy's doing it. It's cool. It's like part of the, part of the play is now putting them back. But I got I got him on track when there weren't a lot of toys. And I have a feeling that if I had let that go and it was just a sea of toys, his little mind would have been like, I'm not doing it, you know? So you got it, you gotta start that discipline early. So it could, so it doesn't become overwhelming for you or for them. That's my take on it. I see what she's the problem is with TikTok too, you put these videos out. I give a lot of props to people, they put this and then people, the haters come. Right. Now she's a terrible mother. She's probably not a terrible mother. She probably just got caught up in a moment, took video, didn't realize you know what I'm saying? Well and the other thing too is there's no context for this. It's like you said, it's like, okay, how long was this happening? How long was she doing right. this? Was <laughs> was there a mess before and then she just added more right. toys to it? Like right. did she throw them away? It looked like trash. Right. Was that a joke? And really right. she just stuck them in another room to teach him a lesson right. and then showed him the toys were there. So right. We can't count on context when it comes to TikTok. All right. This last video I want to share with you. So this, interesting. Interesting. I just, I'm curious how people at home, are you into fitness at home? This made me laugh in many respects. I had a lot of comments. My husband and I had a very different reaction to this video. I have a feeling Tyler and I might have a different reaction to it as well. We're not going to play the whole thing. We're going to play about half of it. And then we're going to talk about it. It's called, Why Do Men and Women Work Out Different Parts of Their Bodies? You ever go to the gym? Have you noticed a pattern that you can see between men and women? I kind of have. They're right on that part. Let's see what they have to say. This is an interesting fact. Women in the fitness influencer community, all they do is leg day. <laughs> Men miss leg day. Mm. It's like the ultimate yin and yang. Yeah, it's so true. What's up with that, eh? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Think Stop about it. what the opposite sex are attracted to. Mm. What is the male population attracted to in women? The bottom half. The booty. The, booty. the bottom what are women half. attracted to in men? The V taper which means the wider shoulders and the thinner hips. Okay, let's pause for a second. Exactly. There's already too much. My brain's just going crazy on this stuff. Okay. First of all, women in the fitness influencer community, who is he talking about? Is he talking about the girls? And by the way, there's a lot of them in South Florida. You know them. They come into the gym and they have a tripod with them. They walk in. They've all got the pants with a little scrunchy part in the back because it accentuates the boot. I call it the boot. Booty. You know what I'm talking about. 
Thank you, J-Lo, for the booty, age of the booty. Anyway, they come in with a tripod. They set it up. They spend an hour taking, like, video of themselves working out and maybe five minutes actually working out. You know the type. I think that's who he's talking about, okay? He's not talking about really fit women or fitness trainers or people who are really, really into fitness. That's the vibe I got from it. So let's just take it that that's who he's talking about. One other thing I need to say on this. This, this whole like B taper body that people think that women like, I don't like it. Honestly, I, I don't want to see like a big ass man up here and then like a Kardashian waist and two chicken legs. I don't want to see that. I don't want your waist looking like you had a girdle on all night and like hip bones coming out. I don't want that. I like a thick man. I want some legs on my man. I want a man that can like, my husband's like this. He's like a little stocky. I love it. I need a man that can pound food. I said for years, if you sit down on a date with me and order a side salad, there better be a big ass steak and some potatoes next to it. Otherwise, I got to go. Okay, because that's what's next to my side salad. (laughs) So if I'm sitting there and you got your little side salad, it's not going to be too cool. All right. So I I take issue with what they think women want in a man. Maybe a lot of women do want that. I don't want that. I want to I want a man that's like, you know, he's stocky all around. I like to see some legs on a man, powerhouse. Now, I think there's another reason. I think they have a point here a little bit about, you know, women and all that. It is the age of the booty. Let's acknowledge that. It's the age of the booty. Everybody's talking about the booty, okay? So women are focused on the booty. It's the That's what's hot now. That's what's going on. Everything, everything's got a trend. When I In the 80s, it was like all boobs. Everybody was like boobs. Everybody had the breast implants. Now they're taking them out. They're into health and wellness, and they're growing a booty. That's just what's happening right now. But one of the reasons, Tyler, I'm going to tell you, that women gravitate toward the women they're talking about, these influencer types that gravitate toward lower bodies because it's easier for women. It's easier. It's hard to work our upper bodies. When I was going through the pandemic in New York, I couldn't go to the gym. I didn't get, I hadn't have vax cards, so I couldn't go. And I was working out at home. My legs stayed perfect, strong, everything. My upper body, I lost some of it. I did. It was hard for me to do like my pull. I, I needed to, in other words, this is harder for us. So I think we naturally gravitate toward what we consider our strength. And I think men think of themselves as like upper body strength. And women think of themselves as lower body strength. So it's a natural gravitation that happens. I think men and women are different. They're right. And it's just naturally where we go. Now, on the issue of whether we're in there and we're really trying to impress other people, what do you think of that, Tyler? Do you think that the women going to the gym are there and working on body types, mostly the booty and all that, to attract the opposite sex? What, what's going on in their minds, in your opinion? couple things. One, I think the dad bod is back in. Mm-hmm. Score. Um, no, I think they're absolutely doing that. I think they want to be Kardashian-esque. I think they want to go in and work their lower half and, um, and become an influencer, just like they say. They want to be an influencer with several million followers and get this big old butt and this, that, and the other. <laughs> big old butt. <laughs> but what I will say is, one, I've met several women who actually – one a man with an ass and if you've watched Stranger Things I was re-watching Stranger Things and they talk about uh, Billy when he first gets to the school they go look at his ass look at it go so I mean there's that but there's a lot of talk going around recently about Natalie Portman in the new Thor movie mm-hmm. where she tried to get as big as possible mm-hmm. and she kept working her arms and working her arms and working her arms and trying to put on as much as possible so I, I think you have a point where 
there's women who are actually concerned about fitness and work yeah. every part of the body and this, that, and the other. But no, I think there's a huge swath of women that just want to be influenced, just want to be Kim Kardashian, just right. want to get a big lower half. And that's all they're concerned with. See, I think a lot of these TikTok, the guys that you see in these videos on TikTok, nine out of 10 times, are talking about like a small, a segment of the female population, right? That's mostly like in it for, like they always talking about the same women. But like, I don't do that. I don't go into the gym. First of all, I've never gone to a gym to impress anybody with any body part, truthfully, honestly. And you know that because I go to the gym looking like a mess. I don't dress up. I'm like, I'm always like disheveled, hair's piled on. I never have makeup on. It's the girls that walk in. You ever see them? Their hair is down. It's been curled. They walk in. They're like, the outfit, it's the matching top and bottom. You know, it's clearly been, it's the little cinching in the back by the booty. And then they go and they do like five squats and then they go on their phone. And then it's like a curl of like a four pound weight and then on their phone. You know, that happens. That does exist. And there's guys like that, too. It's like, oh, oh. they go in and do like, oh, oh. and then it's like a three hour break, walk around, talk, take a drink. You know, I mean, they're not there to exercise. Right. It's interesting, though. I don't know. I never fit these stereotypes. Like I go in and I'm always trying to like do upper because I want to be I'm there to be strong. And I know my lower half is reliable, but this isn't. Also, just small comment to Tyler before we wrap. The dad bod is back. Funny story. When I met Jeremy, I should have had a picture of this. He would have killed me. But when I met Jeremy, he was in a fitness competition. He had decided that he was going to do a fitness comp. He was ripped. My husband was, I mean, insane. Like, you saw every single abdominal, like crazy, like almost 0% body fat. I could not wait him to get a little meat on those bones <laughs> I swear because he couldn't eat certain things and he was doing a fitness competition not because he wanted to be you know a competitor but because he had done it as a test of discipline and it kind of just happened and he was like oh let me I'm working out let me just try and see if I could do it could not wait and he kind of has a dad bod now and I love it so that is true ladies at home I need you to weigh in in the chat if you're here do you like a dad bod how are you feeling about a dad bod I need to know do you prefer a dad do you like a man whose hip bones show does he or does he not look like he needs to eat a cheeseburger if those hip bones are coming out? I'm just saying. Women, too. You know it. You know the type. The hip bones coming out. I don't know. So I think that the issue, like, is with TikTok sometimes. Like, I don't know who. The, I'm always like, you guys, are you, you're talking about girls. Do you ever talk about women? You ever talk about real women, like, who don't give a shit what you think about them and are actually in there to work their ass because they like having a nice, tight booty? for themselves, for for the world, for like, hey, this is my booty, I'm proud of it, but it's not about you, it's about them. No, you don't know any of those women? Maybe you have to sit and meet me. We'll have to have a talk. All right, I was gonna close with something else. I'm not going to because I'm too long-winded and I've kept y'all way too long, it's now 10 past two. But regardless, we'll get to that next time. Uh, do we have any comments in the chat that we wanna go to, Tyler? Remember, I had a computer failure, it's not my fault. Few interesting ones on this last topic. Oh, yeah. Catherine had a couple of good points she said it's not about health and fitness it's about likes and attention going to the gym is like going to a nightclub that's true it's become very social and i have to say i was you know florida's kind of you know how i know all the californians that come to florida they're all with the tripods they're all from california they're in there they're like some of them even say i moved here from san, from san diego usually it's like southern california san diego and it's like four hours to set up the tripod yeah unbelievable put the tripod down and work out come on do a push-up go ahead one more good one said, uh, back to the story about the kid, said, I should do what that mom did to my wife's closet, which is now taking over my closet. Oh, yeah. 
do just it going at, with trash bags. Do it at your own risk is all I'm going to say for that. I do that, though. Let me just say, my husband's at home like, what are you yelling at that person for? You do. I do that. I clear out closets. That's what I do to promote mental health in my own household. I need a clear, clean. I donate. Actually, I gave away all. I used to have all this designer stuff that I don't care about anymore because now I'm into sustainability and clean green stuff. Gave it all away. Donated it. My husband came home. He's like, I have no socks. I'm like, you need different socks. Socks you had, holes? No, they're not going to work. You need different socks. We went and got up different socks. But sometimes he'll come home and be like, was there, am I missing something? I'm like, no, honey, you're not missing anything. Wink, wink, smile. You know how it is. All right. I want to thank everyone for being here today. Reminder to a couple. One, subscribe to the channel. We need you to subscribe. Two, make sure you like the video. If you like the video, that encourages me to do more videos like this. If you don't like it, I'm going to be like, Maybe I need to switch up the topics. Then you never know what you might get. Who knows? I might be eating bugs here next. Fear factor style. Maybe we'll have Tyler eat some. He's like, I'm out. And secondly, reminder tomorrow, shoot the shit. First day of shoot the shit with Adam. How do you say Adam's last name? Sosnick. Sosnick. He's got to make it complicated for me on day one. Adam Sosnick over from Soscast. We're going to sit. We're going to go through 10 topics related to dating, relationships, culture. We're going to disagree. I am 100% sure. It's going to be real, as Tyler would say, spicy. Spicy. You're not going to want to miss it. So be here tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern time for Shoot the Shit. We're going to have a cool graphic, too. Graphics team, get on it. All right. Love you guys. Thank you. See you back here tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Don't get into too much trouble today. Don't eat any bugs. Don't do what Bill Gates told you to do. The end. <laughs>